Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We're here today with Julian Tapp of Vimy Resources. Julian, how are you, sir? Very good, thank you. Good to see you here. Yeah, thanks. How long have you been over here for? I arrived on Sunday afternoon. Right. So over the jet lag now, just. Over the jet lag now, and then it's going to be time to go home. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. What fun. So you've been meeting and greeting lots of people, sort of finding out what the mood is. Yeah, I mean, everybody turns up for the WNA Symposium. Yeah. And so, you know, just hang around, talk to people, find out what the views are. And what what, what do you think the general mood is? Positive or negative? Yeah, look, I think think there's a certain amount of optimism. I mean, the- Always. I know it might sound odd. Well, no, but the past, past few reports Every time the WNA report has come out, their forecast has got worse. Right? So you're talking, about, you're talking about the fuel report? Yeah. Okay, so let, let's, let's deal with that. So you've been involved in it? Yes, I have. Tell us what was your role in that? Um, well, it's quite interesting. So going back a couple of years, mm. um, Vimy did a DFS, mm. and I actually built a model to forecast um, world demand for uranium on a reactor basis. Yep. And then I compared that when I'd finished, I thought, well, I wonder how this compares to what the WNA have done. Yeah. And I went and looked at their model, and it's like, we got similar answers in aggregate, but regionally there were big differences. Right. right? And I'm like, oh, wow, how on earth did they get these numbers? Why is that important? Well, because I, I think actually their assumptions were wrong. Right, okay. <laughs> right. So, that was a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you look at this one, you'll see that the forecasts are more... Um, the, the projections, I should say, are, are more optimistic. Right. They've been raised, particularly, particularly the, the lower scenario. Right? When you say they, they've been raised, what, what has been raised? The, the forecast capacity of nuclear reactors operating and Got using it. uranium over the next 20, 20 years. Got it. Right? And why is it better? A uh, cu- couple of reasons. A uh, couple of prominent reasons. Firstly, they, the assumption used to be that the French were going to reduce their nuclear capacity to to meet a 50% of electricity target mm. uh, by 2025. Mm. So although the previous report didn't have them getting there by 2025, they were trying. Mm. I mean, everybody now recognized Macron's kicked the can down the road, it's 2035. Yeah. If you actually listen to what he says, yeah. it, it ain't ever gonna happen. Yeah. So, but at least, so, so for the pessimistic forecast that they put out there, the lower case scenario, used to have them going, you know, losing 20 gigawatts capacity, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. now not forecast to happen. Right. I think the other thing is also in, in America, there was um, uh, an expectation that nuclear reactors, when they reach the end of their license life, oh, well, they just won't, they won't get extended. Mm. And, and again, we, we, we had a lot of discussion about this. You know, I kept saying to them, well, you know, when it gets to the end of its life, mm. It doesn't get a light, an extension if it's not safe. But please tell me who thinks these reactors aren't going to be safe after 40 years. Oh no, they'll be perfectly safe. Well, same argument when they get 60 years, will they be safe? Now, sometimes you have to spend money to upgrade them to keep them going. Yeah. And if the economics are not good, yeah. maybe you wouldn't pay for that upgrading. Have they, have they, are they safe? Have there been any nuclear incidents? No. Oh, any no, none, I would say to you, there's never been a nuclear accident that was related to the age of the plant. Okay, that, right, so, that, so there that, are first inc- there that's are semantics. So g- have there been incidents, deaths? No, no well, not, not in recent times. I mean, okay. we, all, we all know, so 
but, but it's interesting you should ask, ask that question. Right. So even Fukushima, Fukushima, you know, vast majority of deaths were nothing to do with the, um, mm. you know, it's all to do with the tsunami. Mm. Now you will see people walking around saying, oh, there's been one reported death. Right. Not true. Right. Not true. Okay. There was a, uh, there was a guy who worked at TEPCO who went to the site. Um, he was like a radiation inspector and he got lung cancer. Right? Unconnected. But, well, when you, look at the, when you look at the time between when he was exposed and when he got the lung cancer, it was like two years, right? Okay. Usually it's 10 years between being exposed to radiation. And the radiation he was exposed to wasn't high enough to trigger that sort of reaction. So, okay. so yeah, no, I mean, you know, I mean, a different subject we'll be talking about, but sure. nuclear reactors are incredibly safe. If you look at um, the, you know, the horrible way to talk about it, but if you look at the fatalities or deaths per thousand terawatt hours produced, Right. Right. And, yeah. and, and in fact, there's a comment in the nuclear fuel report about it that comes from Lancet in 2007. Right. Well, they said, oh, that, you know, nuclear is safer than any other form of power, 90 deaths per thousand terawatt hours. Mm. Now, I looked at that number and I'm going, wow, where did they get a number that high from? Yeah. Do you know how much uh, electricity is produced a year by nuclear reactors? Tell me. About two and a half thousand terawatt hours. Right. Okay. So if you're getting 90 deaths per thousand. Yeah. Where are all these deaths coming from? Now, okay. Sometimes it was they include Chernobyl in the numbers, but it, but actually I I went and found that Lancet article, mm. found out where they got their data from, traced yeah. it all back to a French report in 1991 that assumed, uh, you know, uh, that very low levels of radiation spread over a large population would kill a small percentage of those people. Okay. The science has moved on from there. That's simply not true. Okay. So, let's not let's not focus on that because I think that there's too many reference points required to have the conversation. So let's come back to why is the fuel report important for the industry? Look, I, I think it's important for the industry because um, love it or loathe it, mm. it's a reference document that everybody, I mean, everybody has a copy of it, right? Right. Financial community, the utilities, everybody gets a copy why, of it. Why this year is it more important? Because obviously there have been some changes. It's, it's a little bit more uh, commercial. Is that fair to say? Yeah, well, I, I, think I, I don't necessarily mean in the sense that it's it's commercial telling you what the nuclear industry is going to do, but it's a little bit more commercial in the sense it's giving people in the industry more information about what's going on. Yeah, and and I, I would say more rigor in the analysis. Okay. So 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 don't get me wrong. When when it, when I say it's a little bit more positive, yeah. Nobody sat down and said it needs to be a little bit more positive. Right. The, the way the forecasts are done are, you know, literally react, country by country, reactor by reactor. Right. Which, which ones are going to be built, which ones you don't think are going to be built. They're just all added up and that's the answer, right? Right. Okay. So, so, how, so how do people, I, I guess by people, people who buy this thing, they, you know, it's on everyone's desk. So it's on fund manager desks, institutional um, uh, investors' desks, it's, it, all the utilities, everyone who sits on this thing, you know, What's it going to do for, do for them? Is it going to change behaviour, or is it just a kind of, you know, the broad sentiment and things are better? We know the macro story; it's fine. We'll just park that. I've got that. Read the summary and move on. No, look, I, th I think there's a number of things. It, it, the first thing is, you know, since the last fuel report, Cameco have closed Macarthur River, mm. right? Um, they've also shut in Rabbit Lake, mm -hmm. the US, uh, US Langer, yeah. ha Langer Heinrich mm -hmm. is. Close. So, so there's a new category of, of what's called idled mines. Mm -hmm. And you need to pull them out because 
traditionally, they, when mines were idled, they put them in a basket with kind of reserve projects that might come back at some point in the future. Yep. The dynamics are very different from an idled mine than they are for a reserve project that might get to be developed sometime yep. in the future. Yep. Not, and and, and, and the, the, the economics around them coming back are very different. Yep. So, um, so most of the idle mines are owned by producers that have other producing assets, right? And you they know, can afford to. And and you know, roughly ninety eighty roughly eighty percent of the market is controlled by three companies. And they're the three companies that have shut production down mm. because the market the price is unsustainably low, they want the price up. So they have a complete you know, people say, Oh well they'll turn on They'll turn on this mine when the price gets to a certain level. There's a level. cost to that. But, but yeah. when the price gets to that level, they will have just seen the profit on their existing mine go up a lot. Yeah. And what they don't want to do is turn back on supply and see the whole thing collapse again. So they've got a completely different way of looking. They, they are, and I'm not suggesting that they collude in any way, but it's the nature of economics. You have an oligopoly, yeah, and that would be a classic description of an oligopoly. Absolutely. They're going to look at the other guy and see what he's doing. Well, we, we saw recently, you know, with uh, Kazatom Prom and Kamiko's announcements in the marketplace, there's a little bit of jousting and a little bit of kidology, etc., around what they were saying or what they weren't saying. It, early days when I was getting into this uranium space and trying to understand it because it's not like mining. It is mining, but it's not mining. Um, I was intrigued by this potential control of, will it be, you know, duopolies or, you know, oligopolies. Or more, uh, you know. How do you use that to your advantage? Because if I if I was thinking about it, I'm going, you know, a whole bunch of new entrants can come in um, and ruin things for everyone because it's a big distraction. You've got a bunch of juniors who, quite frankly, can't get money that they need right now. So maybe there's a chance to take some of those out, take some of the competition out, and you know, starve the market in terms of the supply. And you can start affecting. Pricing. Those three companies can affect pricing. Um, I'm not saying it's you know, a good you know good thing to do or that they're doing it, but they could do that. Why wouldn't you? Well, look, I, I, I would say to you what I what I would exp the dynamics will be that they will keep these mines shut until the price sure. gets to a level where yeah. they will make the decision. As long as the others haven't broken, right? Because being oligopolists, they'll be watching each other. But, but, but sure, but you know, the, there are going to be smaller players who are significantly advanced. Vimy potentially is one, where you're quick to production. Mike's told us earlier. Mike Young's told us earlier. It's potentially you know two years from press go, assuming fully funded, to get into production. You could get back into market before some of these big boys could, you know, demothball some of these operations. Surely, is well, that a problem? Uh, no, I, I would say to you, they all they. Their lead time would be not dissimilar to ours. I mean, they can get okay. back into production in two years because that's a problem much faster than that. Okay. But they don't. They don't want to. Okay. Right. Because when the price starts to rise, they'd much rather the price kept rising than they turned on production and k killed the rally. Okay. So next, but but yeah, to come on. to your point, mm -hmm. so what about the juniors? Well, when they're looking around, what they do not want to happen is a ten or a fifteen million pound a year mine to get started. Yeah. Right. Well, that's, that's, so, my, that's my so next point. We, we've been told by the past couple of days by some other juniors who are sort of quite close to production, they're three years to production. So if you're saying the big boys can get into production for them, they've got no chance. These juniors have got no chance of being funded, have they? 
well, I'm not, I'm not going to start, I'm not going to throw stones. Sure, um, don't name names, but, 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 but no, we'll yeah. we'll look at the look at the price. I mean, so go to if you look at our Vimy's DFS, right? Yeah. I mean, I haven't changed my mind since I did the economics behind that. Sure. So my conclusion was, these guys will keep the production shut until about sixty dollars a pound, mm -hmm. and it's sixty. And and let's not discuss whether that's contract or spot price. I mean, mm -hmm. just roughly when they think that sixty pounds is like the sustainable price. Yeah. They're going to say if it goes any higher, yeah. there's going to be too many entrants into the market, yeah. and once they've started, they'll keep going. So my view was the price would get to 60, but not go any higher. Now you have to every project you have to look at it and go well. If if I was so right, that's price would, manipulation. Would isn't they it? get into the well? No, it's, it's not. It's perfectly rational behaviour. Sure. Right? You say, but you're, someone's controlling it. I'm prepared to keep the supply cut until it gets to a certain yeah. point, and it's perfectly rational for me to say, hmm, at, look, if it gets to 70, I don't know, some big project in Tanzania is gonna get yeah. launched, yeah. right? I don't want that to happen. So I'm not gonna give the, I'm gonna make sure these guys don't get the signal they want. When it gets to 60, hey, I've, I'm making a handsome margin now. I just don't want anybody else well, That's my in. point. Okay, so if, I, so if I'm one of these junior companies, and I'm going out trying to raise money, and I'm talking to the institutions, and they're cognizant that this could happen. I'm not going to invest in the. In the you know, I'm not going to find institutional investors to give me the money I need because it's not in my control. The pricing is being controlled at sixty bucks. Is what you're saying? Yes, but but bear in mind that also that for, for somebody like Vimy, I mean, we, in order to get financed, we, we have to we have to be writing some contracts. Mm -hmm. We're talking about long-term contracts. Mm -hmm. Once you've signed those long-term contracts. Mm -hmm. You are now. So I want to be really clear. I wasn't talking about Vimy. No, well. no, I'm no, talking about some companies who are in a similar position what? to you, but have got a longer lead time, yes. which I think potentially could cause problems. So, so I'm talking about. I want to understand what winners and losers, what the factors are around that. Okay, so that's what I'm kind of getting at. Yeah, it's the longer your lead time, it's more problematic. It's not just because because idle production could get mm -hmm. in, but we, when you have a very long lead time, it's 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 more problematic. In, in being able to write, con you know, so we're in a position where we, we want to write contracts with utilities mm -hmm. and you, you've got to write the contract and then go into production. Yeah. The longer that window into production is, yeah. the more risky you're going to be perceived to be to them and the less willing they're going to be to write contracts with you, right? Vicious circle. Yeah. So, so being two, ways, two years away from production, it'd be much better if we could be one year away, right? But mm. Two years is fine because on most long-term contracts, deliveries aren't normally for a couple of years. Right. So we're in that window now where we know <coughs> utilities are looking for deliveries 2022, 2021, 2022, sometimes even 2023 for the beginning date. Okay, let's come back to the report because the question I asked was, you know, what is the commercial use of that? When people buy that, read that, what are they thinking and doing? And what I'm hearing is the sentiment is positive, but it's not going to give people necessarily the commercial data they need to make a decision in its own. So do you think the WNA, WNA needs to rethink the way that the report's being constructed again? Yeah. Are you happy yeah, with the yeah, no, no, of it? No, 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 yes. Right. Look, and, and look, I, I don't think it's any surprise to anybody. Everybody would like to see some discussion around price, yeah. price put into the dynamic. So, you know, from my point, I don't understand. So anti-competitive guidelines, 
nobody wants to sit down and agree what the price is going to be, mm. which is what the guidelines are designed to stop you doing. Yeah. It doesn't seem to me sensible that you can't have a discussion with people about, let's say, well, what happens if the price stays at today's level for forever? Yeah. I mean, that's how people do it with things, economic forecasts they sure. don't know. Sure. Oh, let's just assume the exchange rate stays forever. Fine. Yeah. What, what, does it, what does it mean? You know, yeah. what happens, what, what interest rate should I use? Well, let's just leave it at the current level and see what the model says mm -hmm. going forward. Mm -hmm. So there's no reason why they shouldn't um, put a price in, say, today's price, 25, spot price, $25.30 a pound run that out for the next 20 years, what yeah. does that do? That shows you a really interesting picture because yeah. basically su supply goes over a cliff and never comes back. Yeah. Right. So now I don't know what, the, there's a higher price that would be sensible, maybe yeah. 50, maybe 60, run the assumption again. Yeah. Oh, you're still a bit short, right? And then the message, and that's the message that doesn't really come across at the moment is yeah. there's basically a problem coming. So, so again, I'm fascinating. So if I look at people like Trade Tech or UXC in terms of the data which they gather and they put together and reports that they put out compared to the WNA, it seems a bit more robust. A little more, bit more goes into it. And they do talk about price. They need to. And they do it on a company, country, industry basis. Um, if WNA needs to up its game, it seems to me. If it's, it wants to be a kind of commercial, but it is a kind of commercial uh, venture, right? So what I'm hearing and seeing, and it's not just you, but the people I've spoken to about this one, this report needs to do more, doesn't it? I th well, I think there's measures to try to see what extra right. can be injected in it for next time round. Right. I mean, this was an improvement on last time. I th think there are various people who would like to see some pricing bought into it some way. I yeah. mean, it, it, you, you'd be smart. You don't have to sit and agree what you think the price is going to be. As yeah. I said to you, you can use different Whatever. price decks and show the impacts yeah. okay. and to get you know, better understanding. So, so what you've got now in the forecast is, is this unspecified supply mm. and nobody makes a judgment on who's going to come into it because yeah. you can't without some sort of price assumption. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But okay. a lot, some of those are sitting at 80 bucks a pound. And well, let's see how it's, been. Let's say, let's see how it's going to be received. We'll know in the next couple of weeks what people what people are thinking. We get that get that feedback. Just finish off on Vimy. You're working there with Mike. Yep. Things going well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah very well. Confident? Well, when the price gets up, I'm sure we'll be the first. And you think that's the box. only thing that the, the company can affect is, well, so it can't affect the price, but do you think there's anything that the company can affect to help the share price? Or do you think it's, we'll just we'll wait for the price? Look, there's, there's not much more we can do with the Malga Rock project that can affect the share price. Okay. I mean, so we're, we're, we're going through the final stages of getting all the secondary approvals yeah. ready. Yeah. But I mean, that's not, you know, that's not regarded as a job stopper. So when we've got them, okay. I'm not expecting a big uplift. Oh, you've got your secondary approvals. Yeah. What else so, the, so the area, I mean, Angularly where they, yeah. and the Northern Territory stuff, yeah. you know, we found a kind of a, what Mike would call a big haystack. Yeah. Bigger than we thought it was, the haystack. Yeah. And we think there are some valuable needles in there and we'll continue to look for them. Okay. Thank you very much for your time, sir. Thank you. Really appreciate that insight into the WNA Fuel Report. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.